Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk joining you on a Friday morning. Thanks for making us part of your day and your weekend. We appreciate everybody tuning in at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Don't forget on the 15th, Strange Brew will be donating a uh, percentage of all sales to the Palmer Home which is a great, great organization that helps so many people. So if, you, if you're already a regular customer, that's great. Make sure you, you hit there on the 15th. But if you're not, that might be a day to stop by and pick up a, a drink. I, and I guarantee you this, if you, if you go by and it's your first time or you're not a regular, they're going to make you a regular when you do that. So July 15th, Strange Brew Coffee House helping out the Palmer Home as part of the uh, annual Radiothon that Super Talk Mississippi does every year. College Corner still loaded down and shipping out national championship merchandise. If you haven't placed your order already, head to the website collegecornerstore.com or head to one of their two locations. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. Grab yourself a new T-shirt, hat, polo, whatever it is you're looking for. They've got you taken care of at College Corner. Our good friends over at Humble Taco. That's the place that's the newest and best Mexican restaurant here in town. If you haven't checked them out already, well, I don't know what you're waiting on. If Next time you're in Starkville, put it on your to-do list. You won't regret it. A great menu, unique menu, stuff you've never seen before at a Mexican restaurant. Some of your favorite Southern classics turned into Mexican favorites. Mexican fare with Mississippi roots. It's at Humble Taco. All right, so now we're after the day, we're caught up on the interviews, and we only have to do one a week. I know you. I know you. You're like we're interviewing you out. I feel like this whole week has just been phasing me out. <laughs> I just started the show like a month ago, and the whole week is, hey, we got so, we got special guests so, coming. Robbie, you take the day off. Yeah, yeah. And we got three other interviews coming. You could pretty much take the day off then too. So, two days in a row. So, Robbie, what would, what is it you would say that you do here? <laughs> I've been. People have asked me that my whole life. What What do you actually do? Like, I, I still have people that ask me that. Like, I'm clearly a sports writer. Yeah. And they're like, "Hey, what do you actually do for a living? Do, do you work for Mississippi State? I don't understand." So I guess I'm not doing my job well. You need You need You need to work on that. I'm not just going to tell you. So, all right. This is how we're going to do this. We're looking at opponent previews today, and the the last you know the last game. Obviously, we've done the Egg Bowl. I'm not really too concerned about finding a Tennessee State beat writer. The three it might games, be a chore, huh? That might be well, it might be a chore, and then, gosh Almighty, are we really going to do a, a beat writer for a team that State's probably going to beat 58 to nothing? You know, I, I just we I'm can just, talk about Eddie George the whole time. That's true. I did talk to Ben Garrett too, so that might be a team State beats 58 to nothing. You never know, God willing. <laughs> uh, but we have three. If I said you know year in and year out, what are the three swing games that are always on Mississippi State's schedule? I think you would, you know, because the Egg Bowl is what it is, right? You can't ever really judge it too far out in advance. But Kentucky, Auburn, Arkansas, those are three games where you say if State goes 3-0 and in those games, that's a really good season. 
If they go 0-3, they probably struggle to make a bowl. Well, gosh, Robbie, that is the three games in a row here from October the 30th, then it's November 6th and November 13th. That is that is the schedule for Mississippi State. That is, an, you know, you would think, okay, if they're playing Georgia, LSU, Alabama, that's incredible. I get that. But that's an incredibly difficult stretch right as the season heats up and goes into November for Mississippi State to have to try to find, you know, th- that's what's going to define their season is these three games. And they're, it's a, they're all three swing games most years because you don't know what you're going to get a lot of times from these teams. Right. Yet a lot of times they have this quarterback controversies. You're not you're not really sure what you're going to get offensively from them. So that's kind of you know where things are with them. I think Auburn is probably is usually the safest bet mm-hmm. out of the three that's going to have a solid season. They're not going to just absolutely tank. Um, and Kentucky's kind of get to the point where they're a seven eight win team, yeah, or something like that. Arkansas was much improved last year, but we still don't know a whole lot about them, right? So, and again, this year, all three are kind of an unknown for me. We've, we've talked about a couple of these teams already when we've done the, the previews for each team. Mm-hmm. And Kentucky and Arkansas, I don't really know what to expect from them. Yeah. And with Auburn having a brand new coach, I don't know what to expect from them either. So it's kind of, it's kind of a, wait, a wait and see right now for all three of these teams. You kind of start to figure a little bit out of them after the first couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, Kentucky and... Kentucky and Arkansas are sort of that's where Dan Mullen made a lot of his money. He he never he only lost to Kentucky one time, and that was uh, in the uh, Peter Sermon season. And then against Arkansas, you know, he lost the first three years he was here at, when Petrino was there. But after Petrino left, I think he only lost once, and that was again in the Peter Sermon season, which is still to this day one of the craziest football games I've ever been a part of, where Fitzgerald scores six touchdowns by himself, and it's not enough to win the game. Um, but that you know that's how you that's how you stack up wins when you've got four non-conference games you can win and then you got two conference games that you're like we're winning those two you're at six and then it's just a question of finding two more wins and it's an eight-win season every year Mississippi State has got to find a way to put Kentucky and Arkansas sort of back into the win column and then with Auburn it needs to be a toss-up game and it really was again you know the last you know after 2011. For, for, for Mullen. You know, he, he beat him in 12, 14, and 15. Uh, and then in, Moorhead beat them in 18. Got to find a way to you know, keep that keep that sort of 50-50. It's going to be tough at Auburn, but we'll see. So normally we would go back to front. But, let's, but since this is all one show here, we'll just start with Kentucky. I talked earlier today with Derek Terry. He covers uh, the Wildcats for Cats Paws 24-7. That's 24-7, Robbie. There you go. Two of the two of the three today are from twenty four seven. Your Arkansas guy never returned my call. I can't. We're taking over the show, Brian. What is this? The Blue World Order? Yes, we're so filtering. I know in. who I am. The I'm, big meanie. I'm I'm the blue I'm the blue guy. Yeah. Well, I'll be Stevie Richards then. Hollywood Robbie. <laughs> All right, I can live with that. That would make so Joel. No, no, you're Stevie Richards. You're you're big Robbie Cool. That's right. And that would make uh, Joel. I guess could be Hollywood Coleman. Okay. I like that, actually. That actually does work. All right, let's go to the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. Let's talk to Derek Terry and get a look at Kentucky and how they're going to match up with Mississippi State. Well, it's technically not in November, even though that's the theme of this podcast, but Kentucky on versus Mississippi State on October 30th here in Starkville. That will be a key game for the Bulldogs' season. Joining me now to look at the Wildcats is Derek Terry. He covers the Wildcats uh, for Cats Paws 24-7. 
Derek, this was a game a season ago that I thought really just broke Mississippi State's season. They got absolutely humiliated up there in Lexington. Uh, Kentucky totally dominated the game, especially defensively. And, and from there, it was just it was just no good for Mississippi State until the end of the season. It took them basically another month and a half to get things back to normal. For Kentucky, you know, what kind of team does this look like this year in terms of mis- this this particular game? In the secondary, defensively, can they be as dominant as they were a season ago against Mississippi State? Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, Kentucky's going to have quite a few questions. Maybe not quite a few, but a, but a few questions to answer. They actually had five guys uh, drafted off that defense, which was uh, obviously very good for a program like Kentucky. Uh, it's an interesting defense in the sense that I think there are proven playmakers at every level of the defense, but there are some spots here or there that are going to have some question marks. Uh, for example, uh, at defensive end, Josh Paschal, who had a very good game actually against Mississippi State, ended up getting hurt that game, and it really hurt the rest of the season. Uh, but he had an interception against Mississippi State. I think he's a, a potential All-SEC type player if he's healthy. Former four-star recruit, been around a long time, uh, beat cancer. So a really great story there with Josh Paschal. And then Marquand McCall at Noseguard, he's, he's backed up Quentin Bohanna, who got picked by the Cowboys. Uh, he backed him up for three seasons, another highly rated recruit. So you feel good there, but at defensive tackle, you know, UK runs a 3-4 defense. Their defensive tackle got drafted by the Panthers, and uh, they're not even going to name a starter at that position, actually. They're just going to go with uh, kind of a committee type there, but none of those guys are really proven to this point. Uh, linebacker, they, sh- they shored up uh, middle linebacker a little bit by getting Jarkos Jones from uh, Ole Miss. He's coming in here to probably start alongside DeAndre Square, and then they have some really good depth, potentially, I should say, with some former four-star recruits. Uh, Trevin Wallace was I think the number 32 player in the country by 247sports.com. So, someone with a lot of potential. And then in the secondary, you know, two new corners is going to be a little bit tricky. But Yusuf Corker at safety, I think, will, will have a pretty good season. Potential draft pick there, I think. And then uh, Ty Asian, the other safety, has played a lot of football. Vito Tisdale, Devontae Robinson. Safety is a good spot, I think, for Kentucky. But corner is going to be a big question mark going into the season. Offensively, I thought Mississippi State did enough in that game to win. You know, if you look at the one pick six and another interception that was taken all the way down to the the two or three yard line. Kentucky offensively last year with Terry Wilson versus what they're going to look like this year, from what I can tell, it's going to be a completely different uh, look for the Wildcats. Yeah, it will be. Uh, I think Mark Stoops made a really tough decision. Uh, Eddie Grant, I think, in the national media for sure. I think there were, I can remember when he fired Eddie Grant, there were some national media guys really questioning why Stoops would make that move. Um, and I, I think Grant is a good offensive coordinator, but it was time for a change. I mean, Kentucky's passing offense had gotten so bad over the last few years that there was just no way they were going to be able to keep recruiting, honestly, uh, wide receivers to come play here. So they made a change to Liam Cohen, who was uh, an assistant quarterback coach for the Los Angeles Rams. Really a uh, off-the-wall move for a guy like Stoops who's typically been a pretty conservative guy on offense. Like, this is a bit of a risk, I think, that he's taking, but it's a, it's a gamble that's Already, I think, paid off because part of the reason they were able to get Wondell Robinson to transfer back home after spending two years in Nebraska is just that he would be able to come here and play in the slot. So they're an interesting offense in the sense that it's really hard to put a ceiling on them or even a floor to know how good they could be because the coordinator's pretty much brand new. They're going to have a brand new quarterback, whether it's Joey Gatewood or a lot of people think the favorite is Will Levis transferring in from Penn State. So transfers are going to play a big role in this offense. Uh, they're likely to get uh, Darren Rosenthal from LSU, who will probably slide in and start a tackle with Gary and Kennard, which should set up, honestly, one of the best tackle tandems, I think, in college football, just pure talent-wise. So I think there are, are, 
or areas of Kentucky's offense that there's a lot to like. I, I've not even mentioned Chris Rodriguez, who could be one of the better running backs in the SEC statistically. Um, so I think there's a lot of potential there, but until we see it in action, it's really hard to kind of know how this thing will look. But the good news, I think, if you're Mississippi State, is that game so late in the year that Kentucky should probably have its identity by then. Does that worry you, though? Because I, I, when coaches go against what their philosophy is, sometimes they're slow to, to grasp it. Sometimes I, I, what I mean by that is Mark Stoops is such a hard-nosed, old-school football coach. The idea of throwing the ball all over the all over the field probably doesn't really sit well with him, like you, you said. <laughs> is he, is he going to be one of those coaches who just lets the offensive coordinator do his job, or is he a guy who might might step in and, and the offense doesn't look as different as you might think today in July? So we probably got. Probably don't have enough time to really discuss the ins and outs of Stoops' tenure at UK, but that's kind of the funny thing about Stoops is when he got here, like they ran an air raid offense. Like the first three years that he was at Kentucky, that was supposed to be the identity. Was that you know he he had spent time. Obviously, he was at Florida State, but his brother all those years was Big Twelve. Like I think in Stoops' mind, the hardest offenses to defend were the ones that ran out of the shotgun, threw it a lot. They more or less under Grand. I mean, they had a quarterback injury in 2016, and that's more or less how they became like a run first team. They ran into Benny Snell, who had a way better career than anybody could have ever predicted uh, coming out of high school. So, like, they kind of formed that identity more or less out of necessity. So, I think what he's done now is found a balance. Like, the Rams, the way that they run their offense, a lot of play action. The run game's still a big focal point. So, I think the reason he targeted Cohen is because he could kind of have that balance still of a running offense. But, I mean, they, they had to throw the ball better. There's just, you can't. Kentucky was able the last few years to kind of stay mid-tier in the SEC, which, I mean, if we're being real, for Kentucky football, like, that's, that's not a bad spot to be. Seven, seven wins a year, eight wins a year. Like, you'll keep people happy, but it, it became very apparent, I think, the last last year in particular, that like, they were never going to have a chance. And maybe they'll never be good enough to beat Georgia or Florida or on a regular basis. You know, probably not on paper. But you're never going to have a chance playing the way that Kentucky was. And I think Stoops felt comfortable enough in his tenure at Kentucky that he could take, take a a bit of a risk like this. I mean, you're talking about Liam Cohen. I think he's, you know, under 35 years old. This is a young guy coming in who's never had this kind of responsibility, but he's learned from Sean McVay. He was a standout himself at UMass as a player. Like, I think there's a lot to like just when you hear Liam Cohen talk. But to your point, yeah, like, I, I think there is some some risk anytime you do make a coordinator change because that's the one thing you can say about him and Eddie Grant is they were both very comfortable with one another. They were both older guys in the profession who had been together at previous stops. Uh, but this was a change that I think I think you'll see Kentucky have a better offense this year. Uh, but again, like we said, that does not come without some risk. You mentioned the uh, the potential LSU transfer and, and and the Kentucky offensive line, one of the better offensive lines in the conference a season ago, and it looks like it's poised to be like that again. State's defense, you know, three three five, it's designed to cause confusion and, and and you know get into the offensive line's head. They bring pressure from different places. It feels like this is a plus matchup for Kentucky having those veterans there. Yeah, that's another area that I mean, it's no fault of their own. Like. They were very experienced last year, and there was a lot of, uh, I mean, their offensive line coach passed away from cancer during yeah. the season last year. Like, there was, you know, John Schlarman had coached those guys up. They were they were an old group up front. Drake Jackson was one of the best centers in the country. He's an all-SEC guy. They have to replace that this year, and it, it seems like Luke Fortner is on a spot over from Ryan Dart. He's another guy who I think might already be <laughs> close to being done with his NBA. Like, he's just a very smart kid. Was probably going to go to Northwestern had he not gone to Kentucky. And, uh, you know, he'll slide over to center, and, but it's going to be different. I mean, you got to handle those calls. 
the previous offense, I don't know how much this one will, um, I, but I think for any offense, you can count on the center. I mean, they're going to have a lot of responsibility. So that's another area that you, know, you have to look at. And that's the point, too, I wanted to make when I was, you know, Kentucky's identity did become like a run-first offense. And I think, and maybe even I get guilty of this sometimes, too, I think we have a thought that Kentucky naturally is just going to be able to run the ball well, whereas maybe that won't hold as true because they're going to score outside run. It's going to be a little bit different than what they've been doing. The running backs are going to have some different responsibilities. Like, who is to say that they for sure will continue to be a very good rushing offense? I would lean towards thinking that they'll still be pretty good. Um, but, you know, anytime you make a change, sometimes there's some you know, unintended consequences, and perhaps that will be that. But I think they have so many good bodies up front that I would be surprised if it didn't happen. Uh, but it is still something to watch for, I think, when you're evaluating Kentucky's offense this season. Because it's going to look different. I mean, there's no question. It's going to look different than how they've been operating in the last few years. Looks like that news about Rosendahl just made it was just made official too. So yeah, oh, okay. to Kentucky. So sorry, sorry. Yeah, to probably take, yeah. need to get off and write that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't written already. But uh, yeah. sort of the last thing, you know, October 30th game. So this is sort of the the beginning of the stretch run for both teams. I've said it in the past. Kentucky is one of the most important games on Mississippi State's schedule. The reason State's been able to go to bowl games over the past decade is they've consistently been able to beat Kentucky. Now Kentucky is, is you know, I think one what. Uh, two of the last three, and three of the last five against Mississippi State. How important for a, a successful season is the Mississippi State game to Kentucky? Well, I mean, it's huge. Um, I, I think this year, when you look at the way Kentucky's schedule sets up, I mean, they got a great chance that they can beat Missouri to start off in, in South Carolina, too, but I, I think they will beat South Carolina. They can start off 4-0 before uh, yeah. they get a tough uh, October uh, they got to play, I forget the order, I, I believe it's Florida, LSU, and Georgia all in a row. And then they play Mississippi State. Um, I believe that's coming off a of bye week. But one of the more interesting stats is that I mean, Kentucky's not won in Starkville since 2008. Um, and that's, you know, Kentucky was pretty bad there for some of those years. But, you know, even in 2017, 2019, Kentucky was a bowl team. Uh, I felt like in 2019, with a healthy quarterback, they probably would have stood a little bit better chance to win that game. Uh, so it's, it's huge. I mean, if you're, if you're Kentucky, and I think Mississippi State has to feel the same way. It's, it's all these mid-tier teams that are all kind of the same stratosphere. Like, you never have a prayer of winning the league if you don't handle the teams that are kind of on your level. You know, if you're a team like Kentucky, like in 2018, I thought that was a critical win for UK at home. Mississippi State, I think, was ranked 14th at the time. Came up to Lexington, Benny Snell ran for four touchdowns, and Josh Allen kind of you know put himself on the map on the national map that game with what he did. And I thought it really propelled them. Um, this year, you know, they need to end that streak. Mark Stoops has ended a lot of the bad streaks for Kentucky football. You know, they ended the Florida losing streak. They crushed Tennessee and Knoxville last year. They hadn't won down there since the 80s. Like, I- I'm not trying to speak bad of Mississippi State's football program. It's just, you know, you can't really how, – how seriously can you be taken, though, as a football program if you have a, that lengthy of a losing streak to a team that I would say is on your tier? You know, you've got to be able yeah. to go on the road and win a game uh, down there. And, and that's that's kind of the weird thing about this series is, I mean, whoever's been the home team the last few years has more or less had a relatively easy win, I would say. I yeah. mean, 2017, I think it was 45-7 yeah. in Mississippi State's favor. Yeah, no, no question about it. It's been it's been an odd series the past four or five years in terms of you know going home and away. It, it has been difficult to win on the road. Both teams. We'll see what uh, what happens in Starkville on, on October the thirtieth. Uh, Derek Terry from Cats Boss Twenty Four Seven Man. Thanks so much for the time. I know you got something to go uh, upload. Get that content going. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
All right. I thank you for having me. All right. Thanks to Derek. Appreciate his time. Robbie, and I'll say the same thing I said in the interview. This is the game that broke Mississippi State a year ago. They could have bounced back from Arkansas. They go up to Kentucky and put together a good game. The season might have been totally different, but Kentucky really had their number. And I mean, that 24 to 2 is an embarrassing score. It's so, an embarrassing score, but the, the, what's frustrating is that game was completely winnable. Exactly. We were sitting at my house watching it. Eating delicious and chicken. The chicken was very good, and we had country pleasing sausage, which I guess we can't talk about yeah, anymore. Yeah, we can't talk about that. I can talk about it, but you can't. You could. Um, so, in that ball game, if you, if you go back to how that game kind of transpired, it, was, it, it almost played out like that when two years prior, when Mississippi State went down there and had 16 penalties and – just couldn't score, and then in the fourth quarter, Benny Snell kind of took over the ball game. Mm-hmm. So, State just could not do anything offensively. And it's like that Arkansas game just exposed Mississippi State offensively after the LSU game. Right. And Kentucky just took that same blueprint, and State just could not take advantage. Mm-hmm. Through, through two interceptions in the end zone that should have been touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And you catch those both of those balls, I, I contend that they win that ball game. Yeah. So well, you had that. You had the interception uh, that was turned into it was supposed to be a safety, and that yes. it didn't happen. You had two pick. You had a pick six in this game that went against you, and another interception where they they got tackled at the three. State should have easily won this ball game, but they didn't. And instead, it was a blowout. Instead, it's crazy to think about a, a twenty-two point spread and say, "Yeah, this really should have gone the other way." But if you watch this football game, that's exactly what should have happened. Yeah. And you know that was that was the game where KJ Costello really started kind of spiraling. Yeah, he he kind of started spiraling a little bit there. Will Rogers got his first first action, yeah. action, and had a touchdown pass to Cyrus Mitchell, who just had the ball ripped out of his hands yeah. for an interception. That was the end of the game when, yeah. when you didn't catch that ball for a touchdown. That was it. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know what I can take away from that game that I can move into this season. Because Mississippi State was a totally different team mm-hmm. by the end of that year. Uh, Will Rogers was the quarterback. You had, you know, Colin Hill was in that game, and that was a game where things kind of started spiraling. Set for a him. state a school record for catches in a, in a game. Had fifteen catches in this game for what, like seventy yards? For like seventy yards, but yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you know that was the game where he's you know tapping his helmet and he's yeah. they're blowing up on the sidelines and things like that. So he never uh, he didn't play after this game. That this this game was starting to expose Mississippi State a little bit, mm-hmm. and this was the beginning of the end for the malcontents, yeah. so to speak, from, from Mike Leach. Yeah, Th- this is when the season started turning a little bit. You had a few more weeks after that where things were bad for Mississippi State, but this is where Mike Leach started to kind of mold his team for the future, for the rest of the season, yeah. and for the future. Yeah. So I don't know what you can take away from that ball game and, and translate it into this season. Well, here's my my question would be, the guys who were left, who got embarrassed up there in Lexington, surely they're going to have a chip on their shoulder for this game. I think it could be sort of similar to, you talked about that 2018 game. I think Kentucky in that game had a huge chip because they, they had not been able to beat Mississippi State. They you know, had one win in the past previous, what, eight tries, and they felt like Mississippi State was sort of disrespectful to, to them, especially on social media that week. And they, they, they just dominated the game. I don't know if State can dominate Kentucky, but I feel like State will be – as uh, uh, Dan Mullen must be happy. This is finally going to feel like a rivalry game. Right. 
And uh, who 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 did we say that is going to be the starting quarterback? Is it going to be Gatewood? Is who's? I think it's it's the Penn State transfer who's and, okay. and Derek brought him up. Whose name I have forgotten. And uh, we've we've talked about that before. Yeah, I apologize. There, this on is that, going to be but, more of a pass first Kentucky offense. And I, you know, I I don't know if they're, I don't know it's if a they're concerned. if they're built for that. Um, th- this is a team that has been kind of ground and pound for so many years, and Hold you know, on, you mean to tell me. That if a team has been predominantly running, and they switch to more of a passing kind, there could be a struggle. I've heard that before. Wow. Okay. Yes. That's news to me. But go ahead. I've heard that before. But yeah, I mean, it, it does. It, it is a transition, and I mean, you know, I think they've had some coordinator changes over the last few years, and I, I don't know what their identity is going to be this season. They've been a team that's been built around that ground and pound attack. Uh, running the read option, things like that over the years, and they've had Benny Snell, they've had Lim Bowden who's been in there. That was a that was a guy that went from wide receiver to quarterback, and they basically just ran it thirty times a game with him. Are you aware about Lim Bowden that he could not throw the football? Uh, th- yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. He could not throw it. Could not throw it. Right. John Rice Plumlee pretty much cannot either. So I mean, they're kind of in a similar. I don't language. know if Lim Bowden plays any instruments. <sighs> I've heard he played trumpet. He was first chair in high school. <laughs> he actually performed during halftime, if, I've, if I sure. remember correctly. So he sure, was quarterback, wide receiver, defensive back, and first chair trumpet. What's um, going on? But anyway, I mean, this is a team that you know is going to be solid on the defensive side of the ball. That's kind of where they built their identity. They are routinely putting front seven guys in the league and even some secondary guys. So you know the defense is going to be pretty good, and they're going to be sound. And their offensive line is going to be good. That's where they've they've been good in the past as well. I just don't know what to make of the quarterback situation. And you know we've we've seen a quarterback from Penn State transfer in uh, in the past few years. And, yeah, and not do not always well, works so. out for you. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. Yeah, this this is a game. You know, being at home and 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 Derek addressed that. You know, Kentucky the two wins they've gotten in recent years, both in Lexington. They have not had any success here in Starkville. And in twenty seventeen they got massacred here. And even Joe Moorhead, you know, his 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 one year, that was a relatively comfortable win. So we'll so see. So the la- the last time they won here was when? Oh eight? Oh eight, Crooms last year. Okay, that's and I think State missed two field goals in that game and lost by one, something Yeah, like that, that was a close game. Yeah. So Um so that they have I mean State's had their number in Startville. Yeah. And they they've kinda gotten they've kinda regrouped and they've they've won in Lexington the last couple times. Yeah. But this state's, state's owned it in Starville, so I'm I'm going to give the edge to state in this ball game yeah, just based on on that. All right, so after that game, a trip to the Plains to take on the Auburn Tigers. Before we get into that interview, let's uh, let's move into that. Thanks to our good friends at Welcome Home Beef. You may have seen me tweeted on uh, Thursday night. They've got steaks at Val's Market here in Starkville. Everything you used to get at the University Drive store now available at Val's. You've got steaks, burgers, beef ribs briskets, tri-tips, everything's available there. And if it's not, you can just place your order and they'll take care of you. Get steaks cut cut fresh, ready to go as you order them. It's such a great deal. And, of course, it's not just here in Starkville. Lots of local markets are carrying Welcome Home Beef products. Pontotoc, Corinth, uh, Batesville, uh, Byhalia. But if you're in Starkville. But if you're in Starkville. Bowles is the place to go because they are Winston County made. Well, there's that, too. I didn't, I didn't, I was not aware of that. E.L. Vowell mm-hmm. is the owner of Vowell's Marketplace. He uh-huh. owns the, he owned Sunflower mm-hmm. in, in Louisville, and yeah. he also has a shop, and I think they have one in Philadelphia and Forest. So one I, day, I'm, one, I'm always going to support 
Mr. Vowell. One day we're going to have to do a greatest Winston County bracket. Bracket. It's, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's going to be tough. We'll There's see some how it legends goes. in there. All right. Make sure you head over to uh, to Welcome Home or make sure if your local grocery is not carrying Welcome Home beef, call them today. Find out how you can make that happen. That number is 662-268-8148. Or you can go and contact them online at welcomehomebeef.com. Welcome Home Beef. It just tastes good. Robbie and I have a uh, a great piece of news. After this show ends, after we get done recording, we're going to Two Brothers. That makes this a special night. Yes, we are. I'm excited. I I, I can barely, I really you know, wanted to say, like, you know what, Robbie? The heck with this. Let's just go. Let's stop the show let's here. Record, let's just record at Two Brothers. If we if we could bring all this equipment with us, I don't know how that would go, though. We'd have to mute a lot because I would We'd be, have barbecue. You'd have barbecue draw right. sauce. So, Robbie. <laughs> you know, just, no, no, nobody the sauce would be drip. We'd have sh- short yeah. circuiting. And I need to wear gloves and have, like gloves and put like be like putting the plastic wrap over the couch. <laughs> like I don't want to get the the barbecue sauce everywhere. So when we go to Two Brothers, we enjoy ourselves. You will too. Make sure it's on your list the next time you're in Starkville to head over to Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. Advantage Business Systems has you taken care of two different ways. They've got an incredible selection of products and services that keep your business running with more profits and less problems. Everything you need from a technological standpoint, they've got you covered. And they've also got you covered because they're going to cover you with incredible customer service. The kind you expect from your next-door neighbor, which is what Advantage Business Systems is. They are a Mississippi business, first and foremost. If you haven't already, give them a call and find out how they can help you. The number is 601 601- 362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. Back to the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers. Another huge November matchup for the Bulldogs is the Auburn Tigers. Let's go to the Welcome Home Beef Hotline and talk to my friend Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers. Been covering them out on the plains for a long, long time. New coach, new look in Auburn, but you know Bo Nick's still there. It, Tank Bigsby's still there. How similar is this Auburn team going to look to, to what you saw a year ago, or, or, and how different is it going to look? Yeah, I think from a personnel standpoint, obviously there's some losses when you look at, you know, no Seth Williams, no Anthony Schwartz, no Eli Stowe. That's probably the biggest thing you'll notice on offense. It's going to look different in terms of what they do. Um, they'll be under center some. They're going to, you know, two tight ends, maybe three tight ends. There'll be some differences there. You know, defensively, it'll – Everybody's kind of multiple now. Uh, you bring in Derek Mason, and it'll be maybe a little bit more, you know, of a, of a three-four look at times. But you know, from a personnel standpoint, not a big difference other than a few key transfers uh, for this team that I know they're hoping that can can make an impact. But yeah, it'll uh, look a little different. Uh, but you know, the the thing for this team is is that you mentioned those two guys, Bo Nix, Tank Dixie. Those guys got to stay healthy for this team. I think uh, not a whole lot of depth behind either right now. I thought that Knicks had one of his better games against Mississippi State uh, a season ago. That was a game where you know State had, had picked up a little momentum uh, late in the year, and and Knicks and, and the offense for for and, and Bigsby obviously was very huge in that game as well. When you look at Knicks this year, does it, does it sort of feel like a make or break kind of year for him? It, it's, he's been the starter now for two years. Is it time for him to take his place as one of the top QBs in the SEC, or do you have to look at maybe make it a move going into 2022? I don't know. Yeah, no, I think I think it's it's all depend on what you're asking your quarterback to be. Um, I think in this system, you're not asking your quarterback to be a guy that throws 40 touchdowns. It's just, you know, I think that's the thing that people have to maybe 
realize a little bit is that you're you more playing in an Alabama system or even the Florida system for this offense, and um, it was probably more along the lines of what we've seen from Georgia quarterbacks the last few years, where you look up and you go, hey, you don't ask them to, to do a ton, and I think you look at it now, the biggest thing for me and, and Bo Nix is, is that you put him now in an offense where he can get to the line of scrimmage and now change a play, make a play call, um, they can actually read a defense. You know, let's face it, under Gus Malzahn, it was basically, if you run the football, run it successfully, then the passing game comes. But if you struggle to run the football, then there weren't a whole lot of options in the passing game. Bo Nix didn't have the option to come to the line of scrimmage and really change a bunch of things. And there was essentially one-person routes for a lot of the time. And so I think you look now, and he's a guy that knows football. I think you let him go play. Um, the question is, do you have enough wide receivers or wide receiver experience to, to really take advantage of that? That's why I think you'll see much more out of the tight ends for this team in, in 2021. You mentioned wide receivers. and We were talking just before we started on the air here about commitments. Big commitment for Auburn today from a former number one receiver in the country coming out of high school, Demetrius Robertson. This is his third stop along the way. He went to Cal out of high school, transferred to Georgia. Now he's headed to Auburn. Is he a guy who can make an impact? Because I know the talent is there. Yeah, I think if you're Auburn, you're hoping that you give him the opportunity to, to maybe be the number one wide receiver, and he takes it. I think you know he was that guy at Cal as a freshman. He hasn't really had that opportunity at Georgia. He's always been a second or third guy at Georgia. I think if you give him the opportunity to say, look, you're by far the most experienced player. I think Auburn has 30-some-odd receptions coming back from last year. He's got 92 career receptions. And so you look at him going, hey, we're going to give you the chance to be a number one guy. Uh, can you take it and run with it? He's got the talent. Can he step up to that challenge, I think, is the big question mark. But you look at the physical side of things, Demetrius Robertson, one of the fastest guys in the country, he can be a game-breaker, but you look at he just averaged about 10, 11 yards of reception for his career. I think you give him an opportunity now to, to maybe be one of those big play guys for your offense and see if he can do it. Defensively, Auburn, I mean, it's it's Auburn. You know they're going to be good defensively. Derek Mason, one of the best defensive coaches in the country. But over the past few years, I mean, a lot of talent has made its way into the NFL. Auburn certainly recruited well through the years, but is this Auburn defense going to be up to that standard? Yeah, I think it, it all depends. You know, it all depends a lot of times on, on do you have a pass rusher and, you know, can the, can the Mississippi kid, uh, Derek Hall, can he become that guy off the edge for this defense? I think that's what you've got to have nowadays too. Um, because if you don't get pressure with four, then you're in trouble. Uh, and I think that's the key for this team. Now, obviously, you got to slow the run down and, and force teams to throw the football. And I think you look at Colby Wooden and you know, Zacchaeus Walker coming back, two young guys, uh, a couple of guys in the middle. Um, you know, I think I think they've got some talent. You got two linebackers coming back in, in Dakota McLean and Owen Poe that are both really talented, uh, can run, have gotten bigger and stronger, added some key pieces in the secondary, but I think you look at it and for me it's uh it's gonna depend on that pass rush. Can you create pass rush with four? Um I, I think they'll have a chance to do that. They got some depth, but uh it'll look a little bit different. But you know, you look in the, the, the Achilles heel, even with Kevin Steele, as good as they've been on defense the last few years, has been with an Alabama, with a Florida, with an LSU, with teams that said, hey, we're going to spread it out. We can still run it, but we're going to put our best wide receiver, Devontae Smith, we're going to put him in the slot and match up with a nickel and make you adjust. Getting more cover guys on the field is imperative. 
hey, you play a team like Mississippi State, the more cover guys you got on the field, the better off you are. And, and that's what Auburn was able to do a year ago, and, and, and they were able to get after Will, Rob, Will Rogers. They were able to force a couple of turnovers that were key in that game and really limit Mississippi State offensively in that game. State, I think, only had 240 yards of total offense, and that was coming off of the Egg Bowl where Will Rogers had just set the single-game passing record for that, for that rivalry. This Auburn team, you know, I can't imagine that you thought when you you were watching them play Mississippi State that that was going to be the last game that Gus Malzahn was ever going to coach at Auburn. You know, how have they taken to Brian Harson at this point? Do you feel like the program is in a, in a good place mentally? I think I think when you look at the the changes in in strength and conditioning that they've done, um, I think the the spring went really well with the staff. I think all those things are in place. To me, it's a matter of getting a little momentum. They're starting to get a little momentum in recruiting. Uh, can you take that into a season and get some early wins? That, you look at this this team, and I think I think they've taken to a new coach. Normally, there's a new air of excitement. I think there's excitement around the program from the fan base. But you look and you go six games in the season. You will have already played at Penn State, at LSU, and Georgia at home. Um, we'll know a whole lot about this team after six games next year. And, you know, I won't say it makes or make or break a season, but, man, that's a that's a big opportunity for this team. You go out there and win a couple of those games to set yourself up for maybe a big first year, and then you get a lot of momentum built. This is a, a series that's been pretty competitive over the past decade when you when you look at it. You know, Auburn's won two in a row, but State has won its share of, of games against the Auburn Tigers. For, for me, it, it, this is a game that sort of helps define Mississippi State season. If they can beat Auburn, that's probably a really good season in Mississippi State. They're going to win seven, eight, maybe even nine games. When you lose to Auburn, it's a, it's a game that you know, you're know you going to struggle to get to six because you, you can't count it as a win, but at the same time, you'd like to have it as a win. How, how do Auburn fans view this series? And, and do, do within the program itself, do they say, this is a game we can't lose? Yeah, I think the first thing you look at it is you know what it's going to be every year, yeah. which is going to be a tough physical football game. That's the way Mississippi State – Mississippi State and Auburn have kind of they're they're kind of developed universities the same way. They're both kind of that land grant, uh, turf grass, you know, agriculture. Type. They've always kind of had that kindred spirit a little bit, and I think they they know what to expect from each other. I think if you're Auburn, you know what to expect from Mississippi State, which is you know this defense is going to be much better. I think you, you saw it even with you know Mike Leach that hasn't been known for his defenses in the past, but you know Mississippi State you're going to get that mix. And uh, I think if you're Auburn, you look at it and go, yeah. Knowing that you've got Alabama, you got LSU, you got Texas A and M, you got Georgia, you know that yeah, it's a game you can't afford to lose. I don't I don't imagine you go back through history and find many Auburn teams that contended for championships that lost games to anybody other than maybe one of those two and, and you can't afford but about two of those anyway. So yeah, I think you look at it as as if you wanna have the season that you hope, that's a game you gotta win. It's interesting, playing the last two years, playing Auburn so late in the season, normally that's a game that's sort of in the middle of the year, and like I said, it sort of sets the tone uh, for the rest of the season. We'll see what happens this year uh, when Mississippi State travels to Auburn uh, in November. Jason Caldwell, inside the Auburn Tigers, man, always great to talk to you. I'll see you at media days, buddy. Absolutely, sounds good. Always great to talk to Jason, one of the best guys in the business. Looking forward to seeing him in a couple weeks at SEC Media Days. That Jason is a great guy. He really is. We hung out. We got a chance to hang out um, during yeah. the series when State played Auburn. He's a fantastic person. He's another V Sporto alum. I, I'm sure he somebody owes him money. I don't. It's not me though. I don't owe him money. Uh, it's as simple as this, right? If Bo Nix is good, Auburn is good. Yes, and I don't know if Bo. Nix I don't know if Bo Nix is good. I, 
he was he was he was solid as a as a freshman. Mm-hmm. And didn't I, go forward though. I just feel like he's got a ceiling, and I don't think the ceiling's very high. And then when you, as as Jason mentioned, you lose Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz and Eli Stove. Who's he throwing the ball to? I I know Auburn's recruited well. Don't get me wrong. And I know that Demetrius Robinson, who committed there today, was the number one high school receiver in the country. You know, four years ago. Yeah. But I just don't know about this Auburn offense. Brian Harson, you know, a new scheme. I, I just feel like there's going to be growing pains anyway. And I I agree. With you. I think Bo Nix. For all his hype, has has a ceiling, and that ceiling might be slightly better than Nick Fitzgerald. Yeah, I I don't know what to expect as from a Brian passer Harson. anyway. I, I don't. Yeah, I thought that was a strange hire. I mean, I think he's. I mean, you hire a guy from Boise State, and you feel pretty good about it because they have such a good track record. Yeah, he's a good coach. Yeah, I I just don't know about the fit. I don't know. I mean. I don't See, know about his ties into this. I don't worry about the fit too much because if Mike Leach can fit, anybody can fit. I, I think that. But yeah, but we we haven't determined if he's a fit. I feel like he's yet. a fit. I, mean, I feel like I feel like so far. I mean, from a personality standpoint or from a co- coaching standpoint. Oh, I mean, the fact that he's he's not having a lot of issues recruiting that he's done pretty well so far. But how much is? I mean, let's be honest. How much is he actually? Getting I, mean, I, in the I get house what you're saying, but when you talk about a coach, you you got to talk about the whole staff. That's the fit. Yeah, and I don't know his staff, so I don't. I don't understand. I know that. Derek Mason, who's as good a defensive coach as anybody. That's true. So that, um, that, 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 that they'll be. I think they'll be fine long term. But looking at this year, you know they're they're going to rely heavily, I think, on the running game. And Tank Bigsby had a huge season last year, yeah. and he's very talented running back. Um, you know, I feel like they're going to get probably JJ Piggies is probably going to get a little more involved, if I had to guess. But I don't know a whole lot about this team beyond that. Yeah, I, I don't trust. Like I said, I don't trust Bo Nix to go out there and be me either. Elite. I, I just don't. If I, this game was on the on, at home, I would feel really good about State's chances to win. It will be tough to win at Auburn. Yeah, um, I'm trying to. And think. Bo Nix, they State just could not do anything offensively against this defense last year. Yeah, or they would have won this ball game. Bo Nix was not good in that When's game. When's the last time State played at Auburn in November? That's a good question. You know, when I, I was know. a kid growing it used up, to be the first, it used to be one of your first games. When I was a kid growing up, it was always the end of the season was Auburn, Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, and it was like that basically until Jackie Sherrill took over, and then he was able to get the schedule broken up. I don't remember the last time State played Auburn in November. Oh, uh, I'll have take to that look. back. Was it, they played them late last year? Didn't they? Okay, yeah, you're you're right. But it was late in the schedule, too. And also it was the all-SEC schedule. Like, the original schedule had Auburn earlier than that, I think. It probably did. Um, I'd, you but know, as I far as, remember, like, going to Auburn, I don't... It's usually it's usually humid, I know, yeah. when we go over there. Because, you know, the few times I've been over there, it's been hot. That, yeah. was, that was, I think, the first SEC game they played in 13 when Dak went there and got his first SEC start. I believe that was the first SEC game, and that was in that was in that was the top like the, half the schedule, like the second week of the season. It yeah. was it was third or fourth game of the year, and um, 06, September, 05, September, 04, September, 03, October, 02, September, 01, October. So it's been a it's while. been a while, yeah. I mean, ninety nine October. Let me see, let's see where we go. Ninety three. October, it's nineteen ninety. Nineteen, even then, it was in, in October. This might be the latest start. Yeah, possibly. It's, it's interesting. Ever. So, yeah, 
I don't like Bo Nix. I like Bigsby. I'm not over. I'm my brand is hating on Auburn, evidently, just because I I, I tell you that every year they're going to lose four or five games, and that's exactly what they do. And they've lost some defensive pieces too, yeah. and they lost their coordinator Kevin Steele, yeah. who was really good. I, I know they got a a great one in, in Mason. Derek Mason too, but he's a first year guy there. Yeah, there's going to be some growing pains there yeah. for sure. Uh, you know, this I think this is going to be a season of ups and downs for them. And you know, the, I think they'll be patient with with Harson for a couple of years. But that this is a fan base that is very, very. I mean, they're up against the wall going up against Van, uh, Bama. Yeah. In their own state, so you know, I just don't know. I mean, Gus yeah. Miles' arm was was just okay there. I mean, he went to the national championship one year, but other than that, he was just okay. And he's a good, he's a really good coach. All, all everything, and this is sort of a going to be a running theme outside of everything other than Alabama. It's as simple as this for State. If State is better offensively, then these teams you're, we're talking about have to be good in the secondary. Yeah. If they aren't. State's going to win. It's, it is literally that simple. Auburn has lost some talent defensively over the past few years. Talking to Jason, he thinks he's mo- a lot more concerned about their pass rush, which is a big key to this. If State can, but if you're going to be able to give Will Rogers time with this offense, assuming it is improved, then he's going. Then the State's probably going to find a way to win this game. The, that's a, that's the big question to me. Is is State going to look different? this year than they did last year. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be the same team that's dumping the ball off to the running back while he gets absolutely crushed in the flats um, or you know getting sacked with a three- or four-man rush? Is, is it going to look that look like that? Because if that's the case, then I don't know if it's going to work. But if it looks much different than it did last year, which we don't know yet, then that changes everything for Mississippi State. It's just... It's one of those deals where you're going to know a lot in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree with that. So, all right, one more game to look at, and that's Arkansas. This is sort of, you know, we, we said Kentucky is where the season fell apart, but this is where you started to hear the noise in the engine was week two against Arkansas. You had so much momentum after beating LSU. You're playing an Arkansas team that you manhandled two years in a row. You couldn't have thought that. What what happened was that night in Starkville was going to happen. Will it happen again? Let's find out. Andrew Hutchinson covers the uh, Hogs for Hogbeat.com. Let's talk to him on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. Let's take a look at the Arkansas Razorbacks with Andrew Hutchinson. He joins us now live on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. He covers the uh, Razorbacks for Hogbeat.com. That's the Arkansas rival site up there in Fayetteville. I don't think any team was more surprising a season ago overall than Arkansas. A team that you know, had obviously suffered through the Chad Morris era. They bring in a, an unknown in Sam Pittman to be the head coach. And, I mean, let's just be honest, they were 3-7, and seven, but they probably were a much better team than that record indicated. They got a, I'll say it, they got stolen away from them at Auburn. This was a much improved football team this year, How much, or last year. How much more improved can they be in year two? Yeah, I mean, I think they could definitely take a step forward. I feel like most People look at maybe the defensive side of the ball as, as probably the area that will, will make the biggest jump just because you, know, you have the continuity of, of retaining Barry Odom. He was pursued by you know a couple of schools this offseason, you know, LSU, Texas, schools like that. Uh, and you know, he, he decided to stick around in Fayetteville, got a nice little raise, uh, and is now uh, going to hopefully lead that, uh, that defense to, to making another jump. Uh, this year, which they were better last year, which if you look at the final numbers, they were still 
not very good uh, by any means, but they were much improved from the year before. Uh, the year before that, yeah, I guess it would have been 2019, they were the worst defense statistically in school history. And so uh, they, they had nowhere to go but up, and I think they've got room to improve this year too, especially with a guy like Jalen Catalan at safety being back, You know, Grant Morgan deciding to take advantage of that COVID eligibility and coming back. Uh, he's going to be a, a sixth-year senior, uh, former walk-on, went to, from you know being a walk-on, two-star recruit to now being a you know a second-team All-American last year. So those are two really solid pieces you can build around. I've still got question marks surrounding the, the defensive line, uh, but if they can get those things figured out, which they tried to address through the tra- transfer portal, uh, then I think that defense could lead them to being you know a better team in 2021. You know, I, I think six and six is, is certainly possible, and I think even seven wins is possible uh, if things fall just the way, you know, just the right way. Do you think defense is going to lead this team? Are they a team that they're going to win with defense and, you know, sort of have to let the offense catch up a bit, especially in the early part of the season? I think early on, yes, and that's just because they're breaking in a new quarterback. Felipe Franks last year uh, was, was a very good quarterback for Arkansas. Uh, and you know he's moved on, uh, so now you're, you're turning the reins over to KJ Jefferson, who he's going to be a third-year player. Uh, he's started a couple of games in his career. Uh, he was a four-star recruit coming out of Mississippi, very raw coming out of high school, uh, but he's made tremendous strides. I will have to say that. You know, when I first saw him as a true freshman uh, during fall camp, I was like, "Ooh, I, I don't know know what to expect out of this kid." But his his passing has gotten a lot better. Uh, if he can, you know, complete a decent percentage of his passes, then I think he could be pretty good because I think he's he's dangerous with his legs. Uh, he's he's a guy that can, you know, he's got targets to throw it to. You know, Traylon Burks has a chance to be the best receiver in the SEC this year, in my opinion. Uh, and so he's he's got guys, uh, weapons around him. Traylon Smith, a running back, uh, is pretty good. He could be a 1,000 yard rusher potentially, and is also a threat to, to catch the passes out of the backfield. So. There are pieces and an and a, a offensive line that returns the entire two deep from last year. Uh, so there there are pieces on offense, but I think with the new quarterback breaking him in as a full-time starter, uh, it could we could see some growing pains early on, and you're, you're probably going to need to rely on that defense to, to be better than it was last year to, to hold teams down. Do you feel good about Kendall Browse being able to, to run a scheme that that, that sort of highlights Jefferson more as a runner because, like you said, a fantastic athlete, but not, it's sort of limited as a passer, at least in what we've been able to see so far. Do you think they'll be able to adjust the offense to his strengths? I think so, and I think we saw kind of a glimpse of that last year. He actually started the Missouri game uh, the next to last game of the season because uh, Felipe Franks was out with an injury. And uh, I, I was, whenever I saw that news, I was like, oh, man, this, this, this could be ugly. You know, Missouri may blow them out, you know, because Missouri was another one of those teams like Arkansas that was much improved last year. And uh, But sure enough, they had Arkansas had its best offensive performance of the season against Missouri. They scored 48 points, you know, should have won the game, uh, scored a touchdown, a two-point conversion to go up by one with less than a minute left and messed around and let them get in the field goal range and, and lose on a, on a walk-off field goal. But... They, they showed that game that they can kind of tailor that offense to K.J. Jefferson uh, where he can be used as a runner. Uh, they utilize you know, his, his passing abilities. They, they, they targeted Traylon Burks a ton in that game. I think he got like 10 passes for 200-something yards. Uh, so I, I think they 
can tailor the offense to whatever the strengths of the players are. Uh, I think Kendall Bryles is, is pretty good at doing that, and I'm anxious to see really what it looks like in a you know given the, the full time starting job. You know what, what's that going to look like over the course of the season? Outside of Traylon Burks, you mentioned a couple of guys, but these are not familiar names to people maybe outside of Fayetteville. Who who are the guys that will have to step up at the skill positions this year for this offense? You know, a name that I would be talking about is, is Mike Woods. He was a, a really good wide receiver for Arkansas last year and was going to be a really awesome one-two punch with, with Traylon Burks. He decided to transfer to Oklahoma immediately after the uh, the spring spring ball. I think it was like the day after the spring game where it kind of started leaking out that he was going to be gone. So that was a huge blow. Uh, but, you know, at running back, you've got Traylon Smith. I mentioned him. He's a guy that kind of was a little bit unknown coming into last year. He's a transfer from Arizona State. He had to sit out a year. Uh, the previous staff with Chad Morris, uh, they referred to him as a scout team Heisman. And so there was a lot of hype surrounding him. But until you actually see it on the field, you know, you're a little bit skeptical. But he had some really good games. Uh, for, for Arkansas. I think he had a really good game against Mississippi State and Auburn maybe where he had you know 80 yards rushing, 70 yards receiving, something like that. He had a 170-yard rushing game in, in one game. So he showed some flashes, and he's a guy that you know in a full 12-game season with non-conference games and stuff like that, I could see him being a 1,000-yard rusher, and I think he's going to be really good. And then you know who else other than that? It, it kind of remains to be seen. You know, Hudson Henry at tight end was a four-star recruit, younger brother of Hunter Henry. Uh, people remember him. Uh, he's got the potential. We just haven't really seen it yet. And there's several other four-star receivers. You know, Keytron Jackson comes to mind. Uh, they they brought in a couple of stud running backs that I think are going to be really good. And A.J. Green, a really big speedster. Uh, Rocket Sanders, which what an awesome name for a running back. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's kind of a bigger back to kind of complement, you know, Traylon Smith, because Traylon Smith's kind of a smaller scat-back type. So those are some guys you can keep an eye on, but a lot of kind of question marks because we haven't really seen them do it at the college level yet. You, you said, you know, you think this can be a 6-6, six 7-5 and six, seven and five kind of team. What do you what do you think about them if, if they go 5-7? and seven? Is, it, is it still just, you know, it's, it's a process to get back from where Chad Morris left the team, or would that be cause for concern? I think 5-7 five and se- five and seven is also very – possible. I mean, I think anywhere between five and seven wins is kind of the range I'm thinking for right now. And I don't know if it would necessarily be a step back. It probably wouldn't be as big of a step forward as fans would like, uh, because you think last year they went three and seven, but if you factor in, you know, three gimme non-conference games and, you know, you lose the, the Georgia and Florida game off the schedule, uh, you're looking at a six and six year last year with three really tight losses. And so, I feel like if, if they go 5-7, and seven, and as long as they're competitive in pretty much every game except maybe Alabama, uh, then fans, I think, are still mostly going to be on board. But that just makes year three that much more important. I think if he makes a bowl game this year, uh, then I think Sam Pittman will have a little less pressure going into year three. Uh, but, you know, if, if, they don't, if they go 5-7 and seven this year, then I think year three is going to be a very, very big year. Uh, for Sam Pittman as far as his future is concerned. Let's talk about Mississippi State versus Arkansas in, in general. And obviously a year ago, that was sort of the the coming out party for Arkansas where you thought, oh, man, this team's going to be a lot better than we thought they were going to be. And it really it was the downturn for Mississippi State as Barry Odom, the scheme that he rolled out in that game was sort of mimicked throughout the conference the rest of the year. 
looking at this year in this matchup, do you expect State to be better offensively, be able to throw the ball? Is that Arkansas secondary still as good as it was a, sec a season ago when they completely uh, wamboozled, for lack of a better word, Mississippi State? Yeah, I think so. I think the secondary is going to be the strength of that defense. I mean, I, I mentioned Jalen Catalan. I think he's he is a, a bona fide superstar. Honestly, he's a guy that he may this may be his last year at Arkansas, third year, uh, redshirt sophomore. Uh, but I mean, he's a hard hitter. He's a playmaker. He just is a just a really good player. And I think you've got other guys in the secondary. Monteric Brown uh, has the ability to be a shutdown corner for Arkansas. Uh, I, I think. The Mississippi State game may have been one where he actually got hurt uh, early on in the game and wasn't able to finish the game, and they had to, to turn and play a, a guy that was a walk-on, uh, Hudson Clark, who you know made national headlines whenever he had three interceptions against Ole Miss yeah. a couple of weeks later. So you know he's back as well. He's now on scholarship. Uh, they've they've added some other pieces. I mean, really, the secondary looks like what an SEC secondary should look like. I mean. It's, Sprinkled with four stars, high three stars. Uh, it's a unit that looks like it should be competitive in the SEC, and, and I think it's going to take another step forward. You know, having another year under Barry Odom's uh, system under their belt. Just another one of those big matchups for Mississippi State in uh, the month of November. Andrew Hutchinson from Hogbeat.com, man. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Simply put, for me with Arkansas. I'm not saying that they're going to regress, but nobody's going to be caught off guard by Arkansas being good this year. People are going to know to be prepared to play them. I think that was the biggest thing last year is they just kind of jumped on some people. They just played hard. Yeah. They were not just incredible. Well, they were better coached, too. Yeah, they were well coached, but they weren't just super talented. There wasn't anything that they did that really wowed you, in my opinion. They had a couple of guys that were really good in the secondary, and um, their linebackers were solid too. Their offense was just okay; it wasn't great. So uh, the big thing was they just they were playing with confidence. They were playing with a chip on their shoulder, and they should have won probably two more games at least. They should they should have won five games. They won three last year. Is that correct? Yes. They should have won five games. Yeah, I mean they they uh, definitely should have beat Auburn. Should have beat Auburn, and they they should have beat Missouri. Yeah. So uh, this was a much improved team. I mean, five wins. What they they should have got five wins mm -hmm. and a ten win SEC schedule, yeah. and they had the toughest schedule of anybody in the SEC. Yeah. Now and it's in a regular year with non conference games, they probably would have won seven or eight games last year. Yeah, but I mean, like you, you were the massive underdog in every single game last year. Well, now people know that okay, this team played hard last year. Now yeah. now you're starting to get some expectations back. And you have to build on what you did last year. And I don't know how much they're going to be able to build on that. They should be able to win some non-conference games. But I don't know how much better they got. They had what a, they had a you know, top 25 class. Yeah, some 25, 28. 30, yeah. Something like that. I mean, which is they, better. They didn't add a guy that makes you go, okay, he's an impact yeah. guy. You know, I mean, it was better what they, than what they've been yeah. doing. But it wasn't, it wasn't a, a class full of impact guys, in this, my opinion. This team, this game could be a low-scoring game. Because Arkansas doesn't have a ton of skill position talent, so state and state only only gave up fourteen points. I remember one of the touchdowns was a pick six. Yep. And then on the other side of the ball, Arkansas secondary is pretty good. They might have a chance to, to lock state up. Uh, you heard what what Andrew had to say there. He had a, 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 a lot to say about the Arkansas secondary, and of course, you know Barry Odom is the guy who's sort of 
you know, the Sherlock Holmes, he cracked the case on how to stop uh, the Mike Leach offense. Yeah, so that that was really the unraveling of Mississippi State. It was a masterclass of defense. I mean, he like they just didn't know what to do, and yeah. it's and the, the funny thing is, we talked all week about okay, Arkansas is going to probably run, you know, three three linemen, and everybody's yeah. going to drop back. We talked about that all week, Coach. How are you going to attack the defense as running zone base, and they're not going to be running man to man? Yeah. And you know he said he was ready for it, and it, they obviously were not ready for it. They weren't ready. I've always all. wondered if that game any different if Kylan Hill doesn't get hurt. Do yes, just, do they it just is. try to run the ball with Kylan Hill? They, well, they, they didn't that, trust Marks and Johnson enough, and he got hurt on like the second play, second play of the game. And so that that first drive, they were driving down the field. Mm-hmm. They probably utilized him a little more, and they're not having to force the ball down the field for that interception. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think that was huge because you're forcing in two true freshmen into that situation. Yeah. By the end of the year, they well, were ready about, for it, but they weren't at that point. Towards the end of the game, where that fourth and two where they decided to throw the football. With Kylan Hill, you probably just hand it off there. Right. And yeah. I think Leach had mentioned like they probably should have kicked field goals. They had two chances. They should have. They should have. They had two I chances to kick field said goals. that many times. That, yeah. If they would have kicked those two field goals and made them, mm-hmm. State would have tied the game, I think. It would have been 21-20. Okay, I mean, but that changes everything. It changes how you attack. You, ha- the whole you game. have momentum, and, and you know you have Jaden Wally fumbling a punt return in that game. Just yeah. a lot went wrong for MSU, in that game, and it, it cost them. So, three games that will define Mississippi State season, all in a row, all towards the end here, and then of course the Egg Bowl's in there too. Basically, states you know take Tennessee out of the equation. Tennessee State, I'm sorry, out of the equation. Their last four games, or might be the difference between eight and four and five and seven. Or four and eight. Yeah, it can tank. That's a tough. tough it can stretch. tank down the stretch there, or you can build some momentum. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Robbie and I'll be back with you on Sunday afternoon, Monday morning. Uh, we'll we'll have plenty to talk about. Just you know, we need to pick. By the way, uh, I need an SEC West school. You need to pick either Auburn or Texas A and M. Okay, let's go with A and M. All right, so that, we'll get somebody fresh in here. So we'll have that, and then our. I'm trying to think, who is the who state played before Kentucky? What's our what's our opponent preview next week? I believe. Oh, am I Vanderbilt? It's Vanderbilt. All I right, can't so. wait to talk about the guys that danced on top of the dugout. <laughs> revenge will be sweet. Oh wait, <laughs> they've already got revenge. They won the national yeah. championship. I, I think it's going to be handled on the baseball diamond and on the football field. They're going to get it both ways. Enjoy that Vanderbilt. Whistle on that. All right, we'll have plenty to talk about. Some recruiting stuff I'm sure will pop up. And we've got a few other things in the works as well. Uh, All right, have a great week and uh, talk to you again. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again very soon. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.